Good morning, everyone. Well, we're just getting prepared up here. If you could turn in the scriptures to uh, the book of Proverbs. We're continuing in the book of Proverbs. Uh, um, and the title of our consideration together this morning is Prudence, Principles, and Personal Relationships. And it's from primarily the book of Proverbs. Or we could entitle it The Wisdom from God for all of our relationships. I would like you just to hold your, the scriptures open to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. We'll be looking through a lot of them, but uh, just a, a place to, to start. When you first pick up the book of Proverbs and try to uh, study it, understand it, and perhaps you give a talk on uh, a particular passage, it seems like a daunting task to organize it and come up with something that uh, uh, presents a theme, a purpose, uh, and, and so on. But as you uh, get into it a little more, there's nothing I would like to uh, say right at the beginning that's more important to us in our living than understanding the, uh, the purpose of this book, the materials it presents in its, in its various themes and applications to our pursuit of wisdom, and how uh, we need to apply these things into our lives, starting with the basic uh, point that we've heard so many times through the book already, that we start with the fear of God. Uh, that took me to my engineering training, and uh, I was part of a group that was assigned in our electrical engineering class, believe it or not, Ted, uh, to together assess a circuit. And that's not the exact one that's before us, but it's similar to it. Uh, we were asked to describe the behavior of that circuit uh, to, the, to the group, uh, the class as a whole. And, and uh, so in that assignment, somehow I got uh, the task of explaining it uh, to the to the overall class, the professor, of course, was the adjudicator of what we uh, what we uh, presented. <clears throat> the uh, our our team did a thorough job of trying to explain how the how the circuit would work when subjected to different uh, uh, various input conditions, and we worked very hard on that. Uh, but in the uh, in the presentation, I could see that the Professor was not too impressed. Probably not going to be impressed as I don't know how to change this slide yet. There we go. What, uh, what we forgot was to hook up the circuit board to a power source. Uh, that may seem obvious to you all, and it, but it wasn't obvious to us in the pressure and stress of the time. The uh, big error when we sought to understand the principles of what was before us in our learning, in our insight into what was before us, and in our ap application of that knowledge and understanding to the task at hand. We forgot to wire it uh, to a power source that could energize the, the resultant behaviors that we were looking for. The, the topic before us, we've heard this many times, that the true wisdom, the true empowering of your life and the wiring of your brain to serve him, your heart, 
is to uh, start with appropriating your life open to Christ and to God to empower you uh, forward in this pursuit. I'm going to assume that everyone in the audience today is seeking to live a life with, in relationship with, the God of heaven is the empowerment of true wisdom. And he is the one that is seeking to make your life a life of spiritual wisdom lived in, in, please, in, in pleasing him. And at the end we'll say a few things if you're if you're not if that's not your your outlook. Now the first aspect of the of the book I just want to, you to highlight in the Bible before you is that there is a very clear statement of the of the purposes that are in the book. And they're all in the at least the NIV easily underlined uh, by the by the introduction in the verse by the word for. So if you're looking at that first chapter, I think others have pointed this out that the purpose of the Proverbs are given out in the, in the phrases that begin with the word uh, for. Uh, and I thought, oh, it doesn't turn up the red, the Proverbs of Solomon, oh, it does. Verse 2, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring discipline and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, and, and so on. And there's a, a, the, the argument of the book of Proverbs, that's its purposes, but the argument is where you start acquiring wisdom has to start with God. But the second aspect of that argument has to do with the eternally significant choice that is laid out as an argument for us to follow this path of wisdom, the path of being energized by God and by and empowered by Him in our living a wise in a wise way. Listen to my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They, were, they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. These men lie and wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all. And that's the key thing I want to highlight here. That the argument of the book of Proverbs is if you make a choice... You have a, a, a two options to, to make. One is to follow God and his ways and his teaching and his instruction, his learning. Or you can choose the opposite and ignore him and turn away from him and live the life as the book uh, presents, the life of the fool. So I'm assuming we all want to uh, be persuaded by that argument that in, in this life and the life to come, and Dave Jay will be talking about that a bit more later on, in this life, we are, we are adorned with, with the benefits and blessings of knowing God in this life, even though it has troubles and trials, we'll go into that, but at, as well it has an eternal destiny with God if we make that choice. If we make the choice of the fool and ignore God, then we end up in a, in a place of, uh, of uh, the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain, it takes away their life. I, this morning we're going to focus in, with this kind of a model in mind of the theme of the book, in, into God's wisdom in our relationships. Now, that's a huge topic, and I just about fainted when I heard the assignment that I had gotten. Uh, and, and I've ordered this, uh, this talk on these 
uh, points. First of all is the counsel, its nature, and how it applies to us. Secondly, the mouth. That doesn't seem to fit, but the mouth is seen in the book of Proverbs as the external indicator of the nature of our relationship with the Lord. In business terms, we used to use something called key performance indicators. Are we making uh, the right uh, uh, sales this month? Are we uh, producing enough goods? Are we doing, doing the key important things? And we would measure them yeah, quite regularly. And I look at the book of Proverbs as the, that indicator, the mouth. What comes out of us? What starts in the mind, starts in the heart, uh, and comes out in the expression of our mouth. And the, the, the uh, book of Proverbs has an inordinate amount of verses applied to uh, the, the surface measurement of who we are uh, because of what's behind that surface measurement being what drives the mouth to do and say what it does. The relationships in particular are neighbors, associates, and friends, and family. Now, one of our uh, future speakers is going to cover a lot more of the family that I'm going to talk about, but those are the three that I focused in on, neighbors, associates, and friends. And then contention or strife and its management, and finally, the topic of mercy. In this slide, I'd like to just highlight a bit of a flowchart of what we what we mean in the acquisition of God's wisdom in our lives. And I want you to just follow me for a few moments, and I think it'll it'll make it'll be a help. In biblical language, the Bible talks a lot about the about the heart. I forgot to power this uh, thing with modern batteries. I did test it. There we go. The uh, that's a picture of the modern brain, and that brain's functionalities are mapped there. And I started my studies in this talk by mapping the word language of the Bible uh, to the language of modern science to get a comparison of what we know about the brain now and how it fits what, with what the Bible teaches. And that's a separate study. But the, the, the brief aspect of it is that what we have in our mind starts with uh, the fear of God. Now, humans are uniquely designed by God in creation. And what we want to focus on a little bit is the, the writing of what we allow into our brain and map uh, as to how we respond to different situations. When a baby's born, we all know this so well, and I'm probably not helping you at all with uh, stating the obvious, but when a baby is born into your family, does it know how to walk? No, it doesn't know how to walk. It has to learn from, the, from those around who... The baby watches and slowly um, learns that that process mapped into its brain of how walking, how I can do this thing called walking. You see a young deer born, and he's in quotes hardwired. That fawn is hardwired to walk, and so the the animal brains are way bigger amount of the brain is hardwired, and our brain. Our heart, our soul, we are, we, bo we are born without a lot of hardwired mapping. There's the involuntary things of, of crying and being hungry and all of those things. But a big part of what we are is, is learned. And who we open that mapping, that learning to, what we allow into it, is so, so important to the, uh, the resultant life that we live. And so that's... That's the model, that in the fear of God, we open ourselves up primarily to Him as our first source of knowledge and understanding, 
and, and uh, what we want to know. And then through life, our brain looks at a whole series of choice points. And in those choice points, we can go and choose the wise path or the foolish path. That's the model of the book of Proverbs. And that choice yields outcomes. The outcomes can be on the path that God wants for us, an eternally significant life lived, is the way I, the words I tried to put together for that in, in, the, in the book. And on the foolish chart, there's what leads to evil, foolishness, and ultimate separation from God, the black line on the right. But there's a, what engineers call a feedback loop, is what comes of that experience of choosing wisely in one case, goes back into our learning, gets mapped, and helps us to, uh, to cement those, the choices that we've made as being positive or negative, and commit to learning them more, having more insight, and so it's a process throughout our lives of continuously learning in the presence of God, His knowledge and His ways, and what He has explicitly taught us. And then learning as we go to before His wisdom, we apply that wisdom as we know it, and then we look to His personal wisdom and guidance for us as we go, to uh, do to make wise choices, have positive outcomes, and live a life more pleasing to Him each and every day. Remembering always that we're never too old in the plasticity of our brains, in the manipulation and capability of our of our souls to have it molded by God, to have it empowered by God, have His values and His knowledge and his application of those things into our lives in a very personal way uh, be the, the path that we follow. So let's begin with the first one, is counsel. The definition of counsel is, uh, the, is advice. It's opinion or instruction given in directing the judgment or conduct of another. I ask my wife for counsel when I bravely enter the kitchen and ask for some help in kit in making dinner. That's not an offer for tonight, honey. That's just a general <laughs> thing. And also embedded in this word counsel is, uh, a, it's often a legal sense, and I don't want to get distracted by that, but it's the reference of the framing of opinion from a body of jurisprudence. That's out of the dictionary. What it means for us as Christians is that when we are being given counsel, that counsel, if it's godly, will refer to God's wisdom, his scriptures, his truth, and that counsel will be premised on that starting point as we allow that in. All too often, we'll, we listen to the counsel of brothers and sisters and family and friends, and it's not rooted in God's wisdom. So part of our process here is to look for the counsel that is from God and look at what some of the Proverbs say. Uh, this is an under, underlining of the fact that counsel and sound judgment are God's. He has all understanding and all power. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. And I love this, this proverb. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. As I've traveled around in, in business life, in different places of the world, this particular verse has come to me, mean something very special. That God, if anyone is seeking God, wherever they are on this planet, 
they will be found by him. And that response is, is from these verses we have that, that encouragement and this evidence that when somebody seeks God, he is found by God. It's not always in a church. It's always in, 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 in a place where the church is outlawed and illegal, where gatherings like ours is not, not permitted, that you find where people seek out for God, the true God, that they will be found by him and loved uh, by him. We could spend a long time on that one, couldn't we? I've got a series of questions. I started saying this is going to be an exhortation, so I'm going to go through this quickly with a number of questions that I was asking myself as I was going through it. They come from the text, and I think they apply to us all. So I tried to focus on all of the verses we possibly could could uh, cover by the questions that we ask ourselves by way of personal application. And I'm not pointing to you. I'm as the model goes, pointing back at myself, and that's where they originated. What is the main input source from our knowledge and wisdom? Proverbs 1 and 25. Since you were, and this is the negative side of the equation, but since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, you ignored me, then I in turn will bring judgment upon you. Uh, that, that's a threatening way to put it, but it's one of the Proverbs that really identifies the choice we have to accept him when he calls or turn away from him when he seeks to offer us counsel. Then this matter of it, what inputs do we put into this plastic brain every day is an important question we ask ourselves. Our brain can be changed by these things. They can have tremendous impact on the values that we, we come to hold and they can have tremendous uh, decision-making bias in the way that we, um, based on what we allow into our brains. The first point is the process of what we encourage. The wise, those who are on that path we assumed as all of ours, seek to expand their knowledge and learning. Proverbs 1 and 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. So don't just live alone in front of your television with your little box of your world. Seek the wisdom and guidance from God and add to that counsel the wisdom of, of friends, and we'll cover that in, in, in the other way in, in future verses. Proverbs 12 and 15, the way of a fool seems right to him. This is a scary thing. You can live in this little world not exposing yourself to new things and learning from God new things. Uh, the way of a fool seems right to him, and he'll defend it. He or she will defend it to a scary point of view, and we have often been in that uh, situation. The, uh, the wise seek the wisdom from others. That's kind of implied in the word counsel. But it's interesting in the book of Proverbs to see the dimensions of that ask. It's, it's interesting to see that that counsel is not just to come from an individual, the, the one that uh, always says what we think is right anyway. It's to uh, implies relationships between one to another person. It implies the relationship of one to another and others, are you with me? Not just one, but another and others there and a one to many directly. So there's this direct relationship in the receipt of counsel, but there's a, an indirect receipt of counsel coming through that person in some way. And uh, the, the Proverbs, we just don't have time to go over those concepts, but they're all there in, in the, in the uh, 
text. From a variety of people, look at Proverbs 11 and 14. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. So this is not just a choice people make that has effect only on your own life. If you're a parent and you make the wrong choice of who you let in and who, who you follow, that has an impact on your spouse. It has an impact on your family. And that's huge as you raise children. And, and uh, not just baby, teenager children, but influence your own adult children as well. Lack of guidance, a nation falls. Remember that the, the wisdom you acquire is to, you have to remember that it has impact on those uh, who are around you who will receive your counsel as a result or, or see the results of your decisions. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, uh, they, they, uh, they, they succeed. The next part is the, uh, there's two concepts here. What do we not let in? And what values do we let govern us? What boundary conditions do we set up around us to promote our wisdom development? And these are key questions to have in front of you as you read through the Proverbs. And the way I'm going to tackle that is by skipping to the, for the sake of time, for the next, uh, next part that we have to, we were to cover, and that's about the mouth. I've already said that the mouth is the reflector in the book of Proverbs of our relationship with the Lord. Steve, can you help me? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm flicked from the, by uh, some screen here, and I can't get back to it. So the mouth, as we've said, is the, the reflector of our relationship with the Lord in so many ways. And uh, the Proverbs uh, um, uh, takes us through a lot of verses. And I'm going to ask those questions to move us through these, these, these things. We've talked about this slide, but there's a, there's a just adding the tongue into the previous slides that we had. Uh, at the bottom is this process of acquiring wisdom where we start with learning, knowing, understanding, and practicing, and then how that all feeds back into our mind and heart that forms our new way of looking at things. And the outcome of that is what comes out of our mouth, affecting individuals, and many are affected uh, by that. To put some meat on those bones, I have a these series of questions. The first of, what, of which is, as Christians, do we hate what he hates? And there's a number of verses in the Proverbs about that. I've chosen one. Proverbs 6 and 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies. So let's ask ourselves the question as we look at that checklist of what God hates explicitly. Are our minds and hearts aligned to putting those things away, not allowing those things into our heart and minds, and keeping them as the values by which we make choices and decisions? The uh, second question, I'm just going to skip over this process because we've, uh, those verses, because uh, we've kind of covered that. Do we cherish truth, not falsehood? Proverbs 8 and 6 says, Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Do we cherish truth, not falsehood? Here's where the values start to come in. These are the values that God wants 
that he has in his own personality and character, and these are the things he wants enmeshed in our brains by which we choose. The, 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 thing, the values by which we choose are the values that he has, hopefully, as we seek to gain wisdom. There's another series that comes up. Do we love what he loves, good over evil? The Lord detests the thought of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. Are we motivated by love, not hatred? The tongue, and this is one powerful, powerful proverb. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it, and, and what it speaks, in other words, and the love that motivates what it speaks will eat its fruit. If you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're me or if you're you, do we treat our mouth as the exhibitor of what God loves and would have us say and do? Love, not hatred. Justice, not wickedness. The mouth of the righteous bringeth forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. And here is an important one, and I guess I put so many verses down because it's something that applied to me as I worked through this. God's discipline versus our reaction. We have a new situation in front of us. How do we respond and what does our tongue do? To man belong the plans of the heart or the mind, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Do we live without one? The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. How quick we are to spout off and to respond and to react. God is asking us to have discipline in, in, the, in the wise choices that we make uh, in the front of new situations or conversations or whatever. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. So some very practical things here, uh, helping to answer the question, does our mouth speak according to the cherished values that we have at all times and in every situation? Then the, the next question along this line is, do we treat others the way God does? Are we speaking with our mouths blessing and not cursing? Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Building lives, not destructing them. So easily we can do these things the wrong way. I like, I've always loved Proverbs 16 and 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Seeking the best in love rather than growing harm for the, those people around us. And that includes loving ourselves in God. Proverbs 18 and 8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's most inmost parts. I'd like to just spend, spend a little time on the, uh, the, the third area of relationships. And that's actually three other ones in itself. Neighbors, associates and friends. These are interesting and we can work through them fairly quickly, but they're important. Neighbors are people, not just the people who live next to us, but the people that we see in a transient way or meet in a, in a, in a short, short uh, distance away from us, wherever they are. Who is your neighbor, says the Lord. And here's some of the principles I noticed. We help when help is required to be God's working with neighbors in a way that pleases him. 
And these are some practical ones. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow. Uh, help when help is required uh, for the Christians. We do not devise evil against him. If we do that, security will be threatened. Do not plot harm against your neighbor. I've seen some awful neighbor stories about that are in, in short uh, street warfare in terms of the relationship that some neighbors have with other neighbors. And then this is for everybody who comes to visit Peggy and me. We do not overstay our welcome. Associates, the one thing that really stand, stood out to me in these particular Proverbs was uh, who we associate with frames both our wisdom capabilities and can strongly influence the outcomes. Who are your friends? Who do you associate with? Who's, who do you surround yourself with? And uh, Proverbs 13 and 20, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Stay away from a foolish man, and you will not find knowledge on his lips. Uh, for you will not find knowledge on his lips. These are self-explanatory things. If you're looking for wisdom, go to wise people. It's not saying don't go to unwise people, but as they are, don't let in those things that they are expressing to you, but, but uh, seek to help them as God, as God permits and as God guides. The questions asked in the friends context uh, might help us as well. What makes you an attractive friend? Are your friendships godly? And But on your side of that equation, not just me picking good friends, what kind of friend are you? Or me? Proverbs 16 and 7, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. A man of many companions may come, close to, may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I won't name any of my brothers in this regard, or my friends in that regard either, I guess. Proverbs 27 and 9, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Isn't that... Uh, what kind of counsel would our friends say we provide to them? And I hope I will take that one to heart too. What are good friendships based on? Many proverbs on this topic. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And uh, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another in a true Christian friendship. What are the boundary conditions, those things that we allow in and don't allow in? It's similar to what we've, uh, we've seen before. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man, an angry man. Uh, listen, my son, keep your heart on the right path. Do not, and Steve covered this one, do not join those who just um, dwell fully on the other side of that choice line. Fear the Lord and the King, my son, and do not join with the re rebellious, for those two will send sudden destruction upon them, and who knows what calamities they can uh, bring, and so on. The, the next one is contention. And that word in, in the Proverbs uh, has a couple of different words tied to it, things like trouble, things like fights, things like disputes, things like uh, difficulties in relationships. It's interesting to note the root causes of where, where contention springs. It comes from hatred in your heart or your mind, anger, in your heart or mind. Pride, gain, scorn, and a series of others. There are the root causes. What's mapped into our brains from our previous experiences we're allowing to control the choices that we make uh, going, uh, going forward. 
this, this thing about contention, the, the scriptures in the New Testament talks about, don't let something start. Say prayers before you go to bed at night. Don't take your anger or your lack of forgiveness uh, uh, overnight. Back to my engineering life, one of the thing, images that came was from Proverbs 17 and 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute uh, breaks out. One occasion in my career, I was standing on the tailings dam at Kidd. And a couple of us had tried to stop some seepage and some overflow problems on a, on a marginally designed dam. <clears throat> Not by us, of course. Uh, but we, we stood there and we did what we could and we stood back and we said, this is not good. That little thing that started destroyed the dam and it totally breached. And it, uh, I'm one slide off, sorry. And uh, what came out of it was just, and these aren't exact pictures of what we saw that day, but pretty close. The water just took over, destroyed the tree, the big 60 foot spruce trees were crashing down. And that image just dwelt with me as I thought about contention that can happen in our lives if we don't root it out at the very beginning. Watch what our mouth says and then seek to have the Lord's wisdom overpower what we almost said and did and have it uh, come forward as the spring of the water of life that flows from the Holy Spirit and not from our reaction to things. The other one is similar, the, the power of the tongue. Without, a wood, without wood, a fire goes out. Somebody wants to gossip or tell you something about somebody else and that can start a huge forest fire. And uh, let's, uh, let's always be careful to uh, catch those uh, before they go, the, the, before the contention becomes a huge uncontrollable thing in our lives and revert to looking to God for His wisdom and His guidance and His help and power in the middle of a contentious situation. last one is mercy, and I'll close with this very quickly. We're so thankful that God has been merciful to us. We've been thinking about that theme all morning, how out of his mercy and love for us, he gave his life for us. And he seeks to love and have a relationship with those who seek him and love him. And he will empower them in their lives to live a life that is pleasing to them, to him, only if we let him, and only if we commit to that path of, of living in the middle of his wisdom and guidance and allow that to take over our lives uh, by which we would serve him uh, in our relationships with others. Uh, I'll, with that, turn it over back to Steve. Heavenly Father, we do just pause again. Thank you for this opportunity to gather. Thank you for your goodness and your love. Father, Jesus said the greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your soul. The second is just to love your neighbor as yourselves. Father, help us to just focus on you to love you, to love our neighbors, that in all we say and do, that you would be glorified, that through everything we do, that you would have first place and preeminence. And we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.